Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is the Dave Mueller Show. Softy. Now, back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Dave Softy Mueller. So apparently, well, who knows what happened. I guess anything could have happened, but Robinson Cano, who was in the lineup like a half an hour ago, and now he's out of the lineup tonight after a closed-door meeting with management, as you heard Neil Scott say. He's going to miss his fifth straight game, which is the five games he's missed so far total this year. Uh, a guy who in the first eight games of May was hitting 438 with a 1375 OPS and slugging 875 with four bombs in eight games after hitting 252 in the month of April. So he was starting to heat up. And I don't know, man, maybe it's just the skeptic in me. Maybe it's the paranoid baseball fan in me. Maybe it's the guy that's been going through this now for 16 years, ever since 2001. But we thought that this week would be the week that we would get Paxton back, Felix Hernandez back, Mitch Hanniger back. And now we don't know, right, about those guys. Now it could be the 1st of June for all we know. It's looking – I mean, what Divish said today was that he's expecting – Paxton likely will be back this week, but yeah. not so Who confident knows? on the others. Who knows? I mean, honestly, you know, yeah. I mean, these these DL stints and, and great on baseball for having the new 10-day DL now. Yeah. I'd like to see a five-day DL, to be honest with you. But 10 days, fine. You know, a guy goes on the DL or he misses a couple of games and they say, oh, it's no problem. He'll be back. He'll be fine. And then, boom, he's out until August. Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen with Robinson Cano, right? When he had the injury... Uh, was it in, was it in Philadelphia? Yeah, he was four for four and he was trying to leg out a hit for right. the fifth hit of the day. But I thought he got hurt the day before and then came back the next day and went four for four. Right. And, the, and, and it was on that last, you're right. And on that last one on his fifth plate appearance yeah. is when he got, you know, kind of re-aggravated exactly. because I, I, I remember watching that game or following that game and asking myself, Hey, this, uh, this four for five is great, but why is he playing? When we, he got taken out of the game the day before. And, and look, I mean, I, I, I get it. Hey, you know what? If the guy can play, he can play. If he says he's fine, he's fine. Yeah. If the trainer says he's fine. But th- there's going to be a point where at the age of 34, 35 this October, by the way, he might have to back off a little bit. You know, I mean, one of the reasons why we would all give him, and I think why most Yankee fans would give him a break on not hustling to first base, is because the guy played 158 games a year, Right. Played 160 games a year. So as long as he can do that, as long as he can stay healthy, you know, whatever. If the guy didn't feel like it's worth it to sprint to first base on a routine ground ball to second base or shortstop, if he's going to play 158, 160, 159 games a year, I got no problem with that. Okay? But all of a sudden, 
All of a sudden, now he's going to be 35 years old in October. And you just wonder if the Mariners have to start maybe being a bit cognizant of that. And maybe today is kind of one of those days where, you know what, if you were 25 years old, hey, no problem. Go out there. Suck it up. We've lost four in a row. We need you big time in the lineup tonight. And we, we, we are going to throw you out there because you're the catalyst for the offense. But now he's 34. Dude, you know what? Let's let this thing heal Take a week off. It's a lot more important to have you in September than it is in May. Well, and what's really, what's really too bad about the situation is that Nelson Cruz is still dealing with that hamstring. Right. And if right. if hamstr- if his hamstring was okay, yeah. then yeah. they could put him out in right field for a game or two. Sure, and then stick and have Cano, Cano in the DH exactly. and give him a chance to kind of get back yeah. in, yeah. get his bat in the lineup, and, and tell him, look – Take it easy on the base paths, but we need your bat in the lineup. Uh, look, I don't know but, if people out there believe in a higher power or not. I assume most people do, but there's a higher power out there that is not desiring the Mariners <laughs> to do well this year because this is just asinine how many injuries they've had. Speaking of asinine, uh, if you and I had Eddie Lacy's contract, hmm. we would be rich, yeah. honestly. That'd be nice. Because Eddie Lacy, yesterday apparently, was day one of his offseason weigh-in program. <laughs> Honestly, is that correct? Yeah. Yesterday was day one, yeah. May, the, May the 14th of 2017. Eddie Lacy had to report to Seahawk camp or get weighed in. I don't know if he was here, if he did it somewhere else, and they just you know documented it. But the goal was by yesterday for Eddie Lacy to be 255 pounds or less. Uh-huh. And you remember there was reports when the Seahawks signed him that he had gotten up to as high as 267. Yeah. Okay? And uh, look, who knows how heavy he was. He may have been 275 for all I know. I have no idea. But there was one report that said he was at 267. So the the weight clauses in his contract said, if you can get to 255 by May, you get $55,000. If you can lose five more pounds in the next two months, okay, you get another $55,000 by June. If you can stay that way by August, you get another $55,000. And if you are at 245, which is losing five pounds in a month Uh after you've kept it off now for four months, you get another $55,000 by September, another $55,000 by October, another fifty-five dollars by November, and fifty-five dollars more by December if you can stay at two forty-five. dollars So basically all Eddie Lacy has to do is he was signed on March the 14th, right? Mm-hmm. So if he could lose 12 pounds in two months, he got $55,000, okay? If he could lose 17, so five more, Three months later, he got another $55,000. If he went six months and kept Uh. 22 pounds off, he got another $55,000 five different times. And as I've said about this whole thing with Eddie Lacy, hey, look at what, good for him. First of all, good for him. All right, clearly, this is a problem for Eddie Lacy. Clearly. And you and I went through 3010. We could say, hey, this is easy to do. But who knows? Who knows about his mental state? Who knows about his love for China food? Things like that that he's talked about, whatever. But either A, Eddie Lacy, if he did not get this weight off, was either A, massively unmotivated, or B, has a medical issue. A problem. One or the other. Yeah. Because there's no reason why a professional athlete, especially when you dangle that kind of money at a guy, should not have no problem getting that weight off. And they've made it easy on him. I mean, there there are people out there who would say, hey, man, Eddie Lacy is playing overweight at 245 to begin with 
at what? Five foot ten? Five five eleven? At two forty five? I mean, he's heavy, period. It's amazing. So the Seahawks, I mean, this is, what a situation for him. The Seahawks aren't asking him to lose 70 pounds, right? They're mm-hmm. not saying get to 205 or 210. They're saying, dude, if you can just start the season 22 pounds less than you were when we signed you, then you're going to cash in no matter what happens this year on the field. I wonder how it's many projections they were making when they signed oh. him. Like, well, we think he's going to be – he might not be good at X now, but yeah. when he's yeah. when he's 22 pounds lighter, he'll be much better. Right. I sure – I hope they're right. Well, of course we – yeah. Because it's possible that he's just not as good. Yeah, well, and they're – you know, they have to make some sort of a gamble that we're going to bring him in and pay him X number of dollars because yeah. we when he gets to the weight that we expect him at, he's going to be better. Right. What if he's not – well, if he's not, then he's then he's done. And the Seahawks uh, have made a great move by signing the guy to a one-year deal. And if he's not, then I would assume the Seahawks running game is going to be in dire straits in 2017. I, I still think the bigger issue with the run game is the offensive line. All right? I mean, if you fix this up, for example, if you gave the Seahawks the Cowboys offensive line and you put a healthy Thomas Rawls or a healthy Eddie Lacy behind that group, I think you'd see a much different performance, obviously. Yeah. But I, I just think my, my perspective on it right now is that Eddie Lacy is going to be given every chance to be the guy to get this run game going. Yep. Right? I mean, Thomas Rawls, CJ Procise, great. But you know what? Eddie Lacy is the guy. The fortunes of this run game for now seem to hinge on the performance of the offensive line and Eddie Lacy. Whoever those five guys are, whether it's Lewinsky, Effetti, uh, Britt, Jokel, George Fant, if those are the five, those five plus Eddie Lacy, that's your run game. All right? I mean, Rawls will do what he can. Uh, CJ Procise will do what he can. Uh, other young players will do what they can. But I just feel sitting here right now on the 15th of May that, my God, if this run game is going to be fixed in 2017, it's going to be fixed with Eddie Lacy leading the way. So I don't know what uh, formula, Kevin, they looked at to decide that 245 is the weight that we think you'd be best at, mm-hmm. but they better be right about that because 245 still sounds like a guy that's awfully overweight to me. Awfully overweight to me. All right, we're going to break. Hugh Millen was out there at Seahawk Rookie Camp this weekend. Uh, what does he make of the uh, second-round pick from Michigan State? All these new defensive backs that came in, the wide receivers that came in. We'll get Huey's take on the whole thing as we continue next on a busy Monday from the Carter Volkswagen Studio right here on 950 KJR. This is the Dave Mueller Show. Softy. Now, back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen. They've punched a lot of balls out. Dave Softy Mueller. All right, we'll get to your text at 445 and... By the looks of it, there's some good ones sitting there at four nine four five one. They're angry. At you, I took Softie. a peek, but I haven't really. You all, don't even pretend. Well, like I you haven't. Don't I haven't read much. I just took a peek liar. with like one eye. You all are right. lying. So four forty five today. Four nine four five one. We'll get your thoughts on testimonials brought to you by the Gemini Fish Market. Uh, right now, though, he was out there for the Seahawk rookie camp over the weekend. It's our official NFL Seahawk rookie insider, baby, and undrafted free agent insider, Hugh Millen. How are you, pal? I'm doing great, David. How are you? Uh, I'm good. So everybody says that Kenny Lawler stole the show this weekend at the VMAC. I'm seeing all these articles written about the second-year wide receiver from Cal. Uh, Did you see anything out of Lawler that makes you think that, hey, this guy might have a role with this football team in September? 
Uh, I'd probably pump my brakes just a little. I mean, I, I definitely think he looked good there. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think quite honestly, you play word association with me, with Kenny Lawler. I'm disappointed he's not putting more, uh, more muscle on. If you take all the guys, there's some really, really good, um, you know, smaller receivers, you know, they think of the Antonio Browns of the world, you know, um, uh, uh, these guys are they're jack man they 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 show imminent signs of being in the weight room right and they win 50 50 battles you know they get off the line they combat you you know odell beckham i mean these the the guys that are that are not you know the six foot two you know if you're under six foot two you gotta you gotta really i I don't know I, i think you have to develop your body that strength i just I look, he looks skinny. You know, he looks like a, to me, he looks, his body looks like a sophomore in college, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and, or a freshman in college and he needs to get in the weight room, yeah. you know, and, and so I think that's going to hold him back, but he had a real good camp and, and, um, you know, but for him to really be, you know, knocking on the door of, of legitimate varsity reps, I think he's going to have to get a little stronger. Gotcha. Hugh Mellon with us on the air. So how about just some general thoughts on the rookies, the first-year guys that you saw? We can break down some of the other players and talk yeah. in detail about them. But when you when you got in the car and uh, and left uh, for the weekend to go home to Snoqualmie, uh, what were, who were the one or two guys that really kind of jumped off the page to you, man? Well, the guy that, that most impressed me was Shaquille Griffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, you know, probably watched him more. And, and uh, I loved his feet from the get-go. And, and, and watching him, how he, you know, he's, they're teaching him to do something that that he wasn't taught at Central Florida, and you know, to to kind of have a patient style of bump and run where you just kind of wait and react to what the receiver does at the line of scrimmage, uh, which will determine you know how aggressive you're going to be, how physical you know you take your step, and then and you're going to you know possibly jam with two arms, possibly jam with one arm, or possibly not jam at all, depending on the release of the receiver. Now, of course, this all happens uh, pretty fast, and you can't get your feet tangled or you're going to get beat, uh, and you don't have safety over the uh, the top in Seattle's defense, so you better get that thing right. But I saw a guy who looks physical. His, his frame looks really good. Uh, you know, at six foot and, and 200 pounds, you know, I thought he was um, stocky, and, and he had very fast feet, changed the direction, was fluid, smooth, his acceleration when he got beat deep, uh, I thought was very impressive. Um, you know, he kind of played to his clock speed at the combine, and mm-hmm. so I really liked everything about this guy. I don't think he was coached well in college. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've heard me make that statement. I'll stand by it. Um, you know, he just he, he gave up too many slants and in routes and and post routes, and you know, he just wasn't guarding the inside enough. You know, and and he didn't kind of process route combinations. You know, when there's two or three receivers to his side and and he had slot receivers coming at him in some capacity and he was the outside guy you know I don't, I don't think his recognition was ever you know top flight for an elite corner and uh, he got burned so his stats kind of yeah. were a little bit wanting um you know statistically the passer rating against type of stuff Dave and uh, but but you know I think the Seahawks feel like they can they can have him play a different technique, coach him up, and they've got a guy who has all the skill sets you want and a great temperament, and I saw all of that in the camp. Yeah, I, I just wonder how easily he can be coached. Uh, you talk about what the Seahawks do, what they want him to do versus what he was asked to do at Central Florida, and who knows, man, maybe if he was asked to do at uh, Central Florida uh, what the Seahawks are doing here, 
Maybe he would have been a higher draft pick. I mean, maybe it's a blessing in disguise for the Hawks, at least, that he wasn't better coached in college. But how how difficult will that be in your mind to coach him up to Seahawks standards, man? Well, I, I think the you know Chris Richard, I think he's great at it. Uh, you know, comes top down. Pete Carroll, uh, you know, he he got his start uh, in the secondary, and uh, if you remember James Hasty, of course. Um, you know, he had a long, long career in the NFL, and, and James and I once were were just kind of talking one-on-one, and I said, hey, I, hey I'm curious. You know, Pete Carroll, you know, he, he he's made his name as a head coach at USC and what have you, and a head coach, but, but uh, you know, he started with the Vikings and everything as a secondary coach, and, and uh, you've had him, you've you, you, you've had him as a DB coach. What do you think? What's his, his X's and O's? What's his knowledge as a tactician? And Hasty just really glowed about him. He said, "Oh no, no, no." Pete Carroll knows his stuff about defensive back play, and Hasty, you know, made that in no uncertain terms. And so I think you know, there's just uh, that organization. They're going to have good teaching on the back end and it shows on on the production that they've had yeah, and, and yeah. how great their secondary has been for so long so so i think they're gonna you know if, if anybody's gonna be able to do it uh you know, or, 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 you know it's gonna be them with this kid well let me ask you this about Shaq uh to wrap up that conversation Hugh Millen with us on the air and obviously you know, look you know who knows how, how he'll look the rest of the way what happens with camp casualties in august and trades and guys getting cut and signed on the street and all that stuff but from what you saw just over the weekend, and I feel like almost a jerk even asking this because it's so damn early, but does Shaq Griffin look like a guy that if he keeps advancing and he gets the coaching that the Seahawks can absolutely give to him, does he look like a guy that could get away with starting at right corner next year in September? Uh, Yeah, I think I don't want to put a ceiling on the kid. I would say – you, you, what you're looking at, you know, there's some things they can't coach, right? They can't coach his size right now. Of course, they could get bigger. They're going to expect Malik McDowell to get bigger. And I guess I was just talking about um, Kenny Lawler getting bigger. But, I mean, between now and September, you know, his frame is at, is more than adequate to play in the NFL. And his feet, you know, he's got a very fluid change of direction. And his top-end speed, you know, if he gets beat. Uh, you know, remember now, what, what, they ha- what they do, the Seahawks, by pressing at the line of scrimmage, they're taking away a lot of the route tree for opponent yep. wide receivers. You know, a hitch route in many offenses is just going to convert to a fade. A speed out is going to convert to a fade. A skinny post is going to convert to a fade. And so a lot, you know, in, in really, really simple terms, because there's no safety over the top, you tell Shaquille Griffin, hey, you got to defend the go and you got to defend the stop. Mm-hmm. Now, there's other fancier terms that people use, comebacks, and you can do it at 12 yards or 17 or, or what have you, or 6 or 7 yards. There's certain break points um, that time's up with the quarterback's feet where you're stopping, but that's in essence what he has to do. He has to defend goes and stops, uh, and, and he's not going to have any help in doing it, outside the numbers anyways. Right. And so um, when he's sitting there anticipating any of those stop routes at those varying depths, he's got to be able to have the acceleration if, if it's kind of like, uh-oh, you know, this guy's going deep on me. He's got to be able to catch up and, and get himself involved in the play. Yeah. And he showed that. You know, I know it, it was against – it wasn't against, you know, top flight 
caliber receivers, but he's also in weekend one. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, 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 I think it, there's a possibility the guy could be a starter. Now I'm not going to say that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to attack him mightily and heartily. Yeah. I would, David, I was with the Falcons when Deion Sanders was drafted to the Falcons. Deion had his locker right next to me. Real cool guy. We, uh, you know, I had fun, you know, yucking it up with that guy, and still do when I see him. His rookie year, believe it or not, a hack like me, I could get the guy. I was the scout team quarterback. I'm the backup to Chris Miller. He's the starter. So I'm the quarterback going against the number one defense every single day for three, you know, three years. But the first year in about a month, you could get Dion because he, as good as he was, and he was the Thorpe winner coming out of Florida State, top five pick in the draft, future Hall of Famer. You know, it's just hard to, um, to, you know, to learn the game when you're going against 26-year-olds, 27-year-olds that have been fine-tuning their craft for five years. Yeah. And and even the best have a little bit of an adjustment. So you could get Dion in practice, and the the organization loved it when I went after him because they wanted to develop him. A lot of other people say, hey, no, throw it over here. Part of the, 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 the concepts are on the right side. And I just drop back and throw it at Dion all the time, and the club loved it. And yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, you know that bank was closed after about the first month of his second year, mm-hmm. and um, uh, yeah, he just he just got it. So so I, I I think that you could have a really good corner, and he might have a really rough night in week one against Aaron Rodgers, and it doesn't mean that one cancels out the other. Right. Well, look, I mean, I think all of us have to accept that if he has a rough start, that's part of the package, you know. I mean, I uh, did Richard Sherman start as a rookie in 2011 from day one on this football team? I don't think he did. So there's going to be uh, some. Might have, though. Well, yeah, I have to look that up. There's going to be some growing pains, and look, maybe you're more apt to accept growing pains when you're coming off a seven and nine year. And you are a year where you made the second round of the NFL playoffs. Uh, I I just think that the the potential for this guy is awesome, and I I hope he wins the job. I you know I really do because I'd like to see what the guy can do over the course of sixteen games. How about Malik McDowell? Uh, as excited as you are about Shaq Griffin, everybody wants to know about the second round pick, the first pick, thirty five overall from Michigan State. Did, did you kind of watch Malik McDowell and say, okay, now I understand why in some ways the Hawks drafted this guy? Well, I see the potential. You don't see a lot of, uh, of guys six six, you know, in a defensive huddle, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Unless um, um, they're playing tight know, end. Well, I said a defensive yeah. huddle. Yeah. Unless they're playing tight um, end on the defense. <laughs> I got you. I'm following you. Is that a new? Is that a new t- a good it is. scheme that, they, that that you learned it's at a, Bellevue High School? I, mean, I want to see that one. It's a new position. But, I mean, most NFL huddles, you know, the guys are you know between six foot and six foot four you know uh, um six foot, you know there's not a lot of guys there's some occasionally a six five guy but rarely do you see a six foot six guy playing defense in the nfl and on any at any position so to see him out there you know he just kind of stands out but you look at his feet and you see the athleticism he i mean he can he, he can pick him up and go and so um put a little pounds on him because you look at his shoulders, and I think he can carry more weight. I think Carroll even alluded to that. So I think he's a work in progress that way. Um, but uh, we'll have to see how his attitude will be expected to be right. Mm-hmm. You just don't want a guy to be choking it down, and that's kind of what it, he did last year. That was his reputation, and 
And uh, defensive line is a position that you'd be concerned about that because an offensive lineman, if he's given 80%, he's going to get beat and he's going to get embarrassed. A defensive lineman, if he's given 80%, he can just hide. Think about it. A guy in the middle of the defensive line, he's not really penetrating. He's not really getting off blocks. He's not really making tackles. You know, people are rushing for five and a half yards, but, you, you know, it's hard to just focus in and say, well, that, 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 was the, that was the fault of the three-tech. You know, fans don't really do that. Announcers don't really do that. You have to watch the tape to really see a guy have, have a really bad game yep. at that position. You don't know it. guy has a bad game as a cornerback, you know it. Guys, obviously quarterback, kickers, there's a lot of positions. Hey, he has a bad game. You know it. Defensive line is not one of them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. He, he shut it down. He admitted he shut it down last year. And so that's a little bit of a red flag. But the talent, the size, the quickness, they've had – you know what it is, Dave? It's they looked at this guy's sophomore tape. They fell in love with him. He was the hot chick with the smoking body. And the Seahawks just absolutely became infatuated. And when she started getting zits on her face and, and you know, started getting a pizza ass, they didn't care. Wow. Pizza they, ass. They just, they just, they just were, they were in love with this guy. Yeah. And there was nothing they could see to turn them off of, uh, of him. You know, in terms of what you heard from other clubs. I know it's strong. Well, let me go back to why he said you got two different clubs say that it's the worst interview that they had at the Combine, that he's what's wrong with the modern athlete, the entitlement and what have you. I mean, people said some really scathing things about this guy. You know what, let me ask you about and, that for a second. I want to interrupt you because you've, you've mentioned that before on the radio show, and you and I discussed that, I think, on the Monday after the draft about that comment. Is it, is it possible that – and look, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm, you know, if, if a scout or GM said it, they said it. Is it possible that maybe Malik McDowell went through the first round of interviews and got really terrible reaction and then through his agent and advisors said, you know what, i, I got to change the way I approach this and went to the Seahawks and gave them a completely different look than what those teams got? Sure. Or is it possible, possible. that he was nervous? Is it possible he's just not great when he's talking to people? I mean, as long as the guy's breaking quarterbacks in half and stopping the run up the A-gap, who cares? Well, if you want to see that, watch the sophomore tape. Okay, all right. If you want to see inconsistent, you know, what I would recommend is don't put on the Indiana tape. Yeah. Okay? That's what I did. And I saw a guy that just was, you know, content to just, you know, just pack it in, you know. and, and What was Michigan and State's record no when impact. they played Indiana off the top of your head? Uh-huh. You know they were? What was Michigan State's record when they played Indiana? I'm just wondering how much of last year was Michigan State going from a Final Four team to one of the worst teams in the Big Ten and him just kind of losing interest. Hey, look, I'm, I'm eager to throw him a life racket and, and yeah. be charitable. Yeah. I, but, but I think you – here's why I am. As a Seahawks fan, I'm, I'm going to tilt my head and I'm going to be all in on the potential of this guy. As I said, he's got rare size. He's got great feet. He, he, he dominated the Big Ten as a sophomore. There's a ton to love about the guy. But if you watch the Indiana tape, you want to say it's because they went three and nine in the year before they made the Final Four. He says his buddies went on. I've heard him say that at least twice. His buddies left, which is an odd reason to um, to look lousy, you know, to, to uh, mm-hmm. I don't say lousy, to to look subpar mm-hmm. on tape. Um, you want to watch Indiana and watch him make no impact in the first half, and then in the first series, 
of the third quarter, all of a sudden he looks like Merlin Olsen. Yeah. It's as if somebody lit into him at halftime. It's literally as if somebody peeled the paint in the locker room, uh, directed at him, and he comes out ferocious. You see, even after the play, you can see all this this uh, animation, which is great. Shows his passion. I loved it. And now all of a sudden you say, wow, he's going to dominate. You know, he should dominate in Indiana, right? Yeah. And then, then you start seeing him after um, a good series. He starts tap, you know, he taps his helmet. Manny and I got to come out. I'm fatigued. And then now all of a sudden he's back to where he was in the first half, making no impact. That's against Indiana. So um, All those things, you know, by I, the way, are exactly why he fell to the second round. Exactly. Because yeah, because yeah. If, if, if Malik McDowell had played like he did in the third quarter of the Indiana game all year long, he may have been a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. So really, from a Seahawks yeah. perspective, what they're doing is just putting a lot yeah. of faith in their own ability to motivate this guy. And I'll tell you what, Absolutely. he's 20 years old, does not turn 21 until June. So he's going to have a chance at the age of 25 years old, if he plays well, to get a kick-ass second contract in the NFL. That should be his motivation, period. Well, there's a lot of reasons why he will be motivated. And, um, again, you know, hey, the desirability or undesirability of this guy being a great player is not even a pertinent discussion, man. I'm a Seattle uh, I'm a Seattle native, man. I'm a Seahawks fan. I went to the first game. Mm-hmm. I want everything that they are banking on. I want them to hit on this guy. You know, but I think that um, if you really get an honest assessment – you know, you can ignore that fact, or you could just say, okay, face it head on. This is what he was his junior year. That's as you said. That's why he fell the second round. If yep. he had played the way he did the year before, he's a top 10 pick in the draft. Right. No doubt. No doubt. So, hey, so let's you know, do you this. Just have, you have to find if you can change what he did and how he, uh, what yep. his attitude was. We got, we got two minutes left. Uh, give me a quick thought on Delano Hill from uh, Michigan and uh, anybody else that stood out over the weekend as well. Yeah, I like him. It's a little bit hard in a in a uh, you know flag football capacity, as it were, you know, because he's a thumper. You don't want to play him um, down the line, but um, I like him. I like the ball skills of Tedrick Thompson. I'll tell you the guy I really liked that I didn't expect to necessarily be impressed. David Moore really caught my eye, wow. and uh, he flashed. And and uh, the seventh round pick out of East Central Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, he showed a lot of quickness, a lot of suddenness, um, really good ball skills, reaching high and, and tracking the ball. And, and, and uh, so I think he was my you know, kind of dark horse, pleasant surprise. Anybody, anytime you're talking about a seventh rounder, you're yeah. talking about yeah. a real long shot. Yeah, well, but, look, the Seahawks have a history of letting long shot wide receivers onto this football team, pal, including two undrafted free agents. Baldwin was an eighth round pick, right? And Jermaine yeah, Curse as well. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, he was an eighth rounder. So. Obviously, I mean a, a free agency, a free agent. Um, um, when I refer to him as eighth rounders, but yeah, so uh, so that that was good. I mean, I I thought Amara Darbo he got hurt, you know, initially. Um, I think he's maybe unspectacular, solid but unspectacular. Um, but uh, you know, I think on 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 balance, hey, I'm really excited about the class. Love it. Love uh, it. You know, yeah, there's the, there's some really good dudes out there and and a lot of potential. So. All right, man. Good stuff. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. You're the man. Hugh Millen joining us with a recap of Seahawk rookie minicamp. Some thoughts on uh, some of the new guys out there over the weekend. We're going to break. Jeremy White, by the way, from Buffalo, joining us at 5 o'clock on Football at 5. And then Dave Sims at 545. But coming up next, your favorite segment of the day. Textimonials brought to you by the Gemini Fish Market. Whatever's on your mind, 
always allowed, unless Kevin says no, at 49451. Coming up on 950KJR. Coming to you live from the Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio 950KJR. This is Textimonials. Take it away, Dave Softy Mahler. All right, we are back. We're going to head to uh, Buffalo at the top of the hour. Jeremy White, uh, 550 WGR, the flamethrower in Buffalo, uh, will be with us at 5 o'clock to talk about, I think, one of the more... It's, you know, it's always fun to talk about other people's dysfunctional franchises. Yeah, but they're going to turn around now. To so remind you on. of how great you are. So we'll talk to Jeremy at 5 o'clock. Dave Sims from Root Sports will join us from Safeco at 545 tonight. All right, uh, 49451's the number on the Heritage Distilling Text Line. Brought to you by our friends at the Gemini Fish Market. For all your fresh seafood needs, check out Gemini. What do you got there, big fella? Same old story with the Mariners still don't why you guys talk about them. It's just a waste of breath. I understand that you have to talk about something sports, but wow, I feel sorry for you guys that you have to talk about them. Well, we can talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. For example, I was in the car at 6.15 this morning, oh. literally going to get my wife a cup of coffee. I turn on the morning show. You didn't get coffee? Why don't you make coffee at home? Because we go to a latte stand. What do you want? Every so, morning? Every morning. Nah, what? not at four or five days a week. Four or five days a week, we go to a latte stand by our house. It's a little tradition. That's insane. Why is that insane? Why don't you just make it at home? Every I, morning. I like to go for a ride, smell the air, see the sun, see people, say hello. Wow. Get my morning going. Is that hop on my step. Yeah, but I, I think it is. But I, like You're you, telling me that going to a latte stand four or five mornings a week is no, no, abnormal. No. no, no, no. What I'm saying is... Going out to a latte stand right. and coming home. Okay. So most people who would do that would do it on their way to work, for yeah. example. All right. Well, you know what? I like to do nice things for you my You are wife. a hell so of a I guy. So I get up and I get her coffee and then I go home. And then I go back to bed after drinking a cup of coffee. But don't tell her. Okay, yeah. Right. But uh, anyway, what the hell was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So I turn on the morning <laughs> show today and it's 6.15 and Mitch is talking about when he chooses... To speed on the freeway and break the law at 6.15 in the morning after the M's got swept four games in a row. Maybe he's got the proper idea. Maybe instead of talking Mariner baseball, I should be talking to you about all my secrets to ripping off bookstores and drugstores when I was a kleptomaniac in high school. Would you rather hear stuff like that? I mean, it might not be Is that what people would rather hear? Look, man, we're not going to ignore him. That's a, that that's an old uh, puck and furnace thing. The old don't talk, refuse to talk thing. Oh. We don't do that here on this radio program. Plus, when the M's bounce back and go to the World Series, you'll wish you've been talking about it. All right, what's next? Get in the car after work. Mm. Oh, look, Softy is talking about Kenny freaking Lawler and the Seahawks again. Mm. Oh, wait, commercial break, then more Seahawks. This time about the crappy O-line again and Eddie Lacy's weight. Wow. And now... Commercial break end. Okay. Wait for it. More Seahawks. <laughs> all right. Let's please get more humilin cause we know that's what we all need more of on May 15th. Please talk about something else. Oh, God. Wrap it up for God's sake. By the way, he went on for another 15 seconds okay. and I took it out. So wait a minute. So the first texter yes. is complaining about Mariner talk. Why are you guys talking and about the, the Mariners? the second texter is pissed Why are you guys talking about the about Seahawks? About Seahawks talk. You yes. know what? Maybe, Kevin... Maybe this is what people want right here. Just nothing. Maybe that's what they prefer. 
I don't know. You know, it's, right? I, I can't I, please anybody, for God's it, sakes. It's difficult to please everybody. That, that is, is funny. for sure. I, All right. Well, you know, whatever. To, to the guy that texted the second time, the first hour, we spent 20 minutes on the M's, and then I spent 40 minutes going bananas on the arena, and then back to Eddie Lacy at 4 o'clock in the Seahawks. All right? So, I don't know, man. Maybe, uh, you know what? Just give me your number. All right, and the next time we're planning on talking Seahawks football, I can call you or send you a text so you can turn off the radio. How about right. when we when we get to that <laughs> point? Unfortunately, we're a mono signal, but maybe we we work to get a left and right dual yeah. signal stereo. Why can't we then, have two different signals? And then talk Seahawks on one side and Mariners on the other side, right? And then time it to join back together well, when we example, want to talk about something like everyone wants. Our, our buddies at the Jack have like three different signals on yeah. their HD radio signal. Yeah. So so if I don't like Cindy Lauper, I can switch over and I can hear the Pet Shop Boys. If I don't like that, I can switch over and then I can hear Baltimore on the third station. Uh-huh. So maybe what I should do is come in here and tape three different shows. That's one Mariner, one Seahawk, and one nonsense for three hours, and you guys can pick which one you want. I All think right? that sounds Fine. like a plan Fine. that we should Fine. execute. Fine. What's next, Softy? Don't you think the Mariners should have known they had injury-prone pitchers and planned accordingly? Mm. Maybe they didn't have a choice, but either way they took a gamble. Well, I'll tell you what. It's not a ridiculous suggestion. Not that it would be... You'd be prepared for going this deep. That's the but thing. Felix has had injuries before. Kuma's injuries. Kuma's had injuries. Paxton's, Paxton's had injuries. Yeah. C-Sheck has had injuries before. Uh, you know, some of these guys have a history. There's no question about that. But also, let's say, if it was only those guys that went down. Dude, this is their 18th different reliever yeah. and their 10th different starter. There's no way. For example, you think John Stanton came down from his office and went into Jerry DePoto's dungeon and said, Hey, man, are we... Pro- you know what? I want it. Are we ready in case we have to use 18 relievers? <laughs> are we prepared... For nine different starting pitchers to get hurt. And if we're not prepared, then you're not doing your job. Where's Pelicutis? Get him in here. What's next? Man, almost feels in order to get over this last hurdle. Hansen has to modify proposal one more time to include plan for key arena post Soto Arena being right. built. Might need to beef up amount they are willing to put into a key arena facelift Ooh. while be used as interim arena during construction. Well, he was he was willing to put some money in to uh, handle some upgrades, yeah. but maybe they just want Chris Hansen. Even if you know what, even if Chris Hansen said, "All right, here's what I'll do: let me build Soto, and I'll give you a hundred million dollars for Key Arena." I mean, seriously, like, they still may say no. That's basically what he's asking for. And by the way, that number, the hundred million dollar number, yeah, came from the ACOM report. Oh yeah, which is the same report that blew. The potential cost for a full key arena renovation by like $200 million. And the same report that blew the take on the NHL expanding. When they said the NHL was nowhere near expanding. And then a year later, Vegas. Okay. What's next? How many lows could Rob Lowe rob if Rob Lowe could rob lows? I I like that one. Imagine if his name was Rob Lover's Package. How messed up that would be. Or Rob Home Depot. That'd be awful. (laughs) Probably a lot. Uh, you know, and it's, by the way, it is a miracle. Isn't it a minor miracle that Rob Lowe is not doing an endorsement for Lowe's? I mean, Hello? someone's dropping uh, the ball. Let's Hello, come on, man. Now, Softy, can you remind us what your genius idea was for a name for the Mariners? My genius idea, cut hashtag? the music, cut the music. My genius idea, I want you to imagine this above the left center field bleachers uh-huh. instead of the big neon sign, true to the blue. 
to better describe what's happening in 2017. You ready? Everybody has got a boo-boo. Pure genius. Pure genius. Well, I would like to offer should be the new slogan from our listeners. All right. right. And frankly, I think they are miles better than yours. You ready? (laughs) Yeah. Number one. How about true to the boo-boo? Already better than yours. Number two, also better than yours. How about true to the blue cross blue shield? (laughs) Also good. Another good one? True to the black and blue. You really got the ball. These are all better than yours, Sophie. What else? And last one. Mariners, we're cursed, but we have crickets. Okay, see, here's here's what you don't understand. Here's what you're not seeing. Usually, you can see through a lot of nonsense. You can see the forest through the trees. Uh You're missing a major, major point here. Hmm. Where do you think all those ideas came from? They came from me. If I don't throw out the original idea, none of this happens. None of it. Right. Just like Chris Hansen. Before Chris Hansen showed up, nothing was going on, right? There was literally no movement whatsoever in the arena debate. And then what happens? Hansen shows up and he births, he spawns Oakview Group, AEG, Bob yeah, Newman, but Tim Lywicki. Tim Lywicki and yours. Bob Newman are Chris Hansen's sons. He birthed them. Wow, I he birthed those saints. Yeah, but those they are all better than yours. Started with me. Well, listen, it's every parent's dream to have his kids have a better life than they did. All right? So you can thank me for all those great wow, ideas. Great job, Seth. All We're right. all proud of you. You're welcome. 455. We've got a break. <laughs> Football at 5 coming up on 950 KJR.